You're listening to the Scale to Grow podcast, where we help service-based business owners to take the guesswork out of scaling and growing their business so they can pursue their passions. My name is Shauna, and I'm a business mentor to coaches and creatives, and I help them to get out of the day-to-day and focus on scaling and growing their business to the next level. I sit down with business owners to talk about their experiences, the lessons they've learned, and share tips and strategies on how you can build your business without the overwhelm. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Scale to Grow podcast. I'm so excited to have Ferris on the show today. He brings 20 years of experience delivering strategic change for corporate and non-corporate worlds. You're going to have to explain that at the end, though, what this corporate world means. Just saying. (laughs) His approach is rooted in strategy and determining barriers to success and removing them in your business. So today we're going to talk about, obviously, strategy. We're going to talk about IQ, EQ, and FQ, and how it impacts your leadership in your business. So welcome to the show, my man. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here all the way from London, England, uh, UK. Wonderful. Wonderful. So tell us about you and what you do and how you make magic happen. Oh, where to start, Joanna? Uh, magic just happens all around. Like uh, I'm a, like a poor David Blaine uh, or for younger viewers, someone who's younger than David Blaine. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, I, yeah, I, uh, I have this weird job now. I'm a consultant, but I do consultancy by making... Uh, teams work better together. I use a lot of emotional intelligence and and team dynamics uh, to get people to buy into ideas and all agree. So instead of coming up with ideas, I, I help land ideas with people. And uh, generally, it makes things run smoother. People enjoy their work a lot more. And uh, I really enjoy it. Cool. So what inspired you to even get started doing this? Because team dynamics is harder than it sounds. It is harder than it sounds, but it's enjoyable. So I guess it goes back to you said, well, I'm going to have to explain the corporate and non-corporate world. Let me take you back on a journey, uh, Shana. Uh, I started my career many years ago. I know I don't look old enough, uh, uh, but uh, I started as a school teacher. And I started as a high school teacher and uh, I ended up teaching the incredibly exciting subjects of math and economics. Now, you can imagine a subject like math. Let's just take math. Some kids love it. Other kids couldn't get it. They couldn't give a damn about it, hate it. But you know what? They all have to learn it. Uh, That's the unifying factor. So uh, I learned in that journey and I taught all around the world that the best way to get a kid to learn is to make it simple, to make it fun, to make it interactive. Then they don't even realize they're learning, right? And little did I know, this is all the same principles I apply today for team dynamics, right? I started, I started, I unlocked something 20 years ago without even realizing what I was going to do for the future. But uh, that's where it all began. That's super cool. So you got into this niche, particularly because you you started off with high school. Yeah. God bless your soul on this, because I don't think I could ever be a teacher for high school kids. Like, I just know what I did. So I just know it's not for me. <laughs> so, so bless your heart with that one. But you got into it after realizing after being a teacher, that this is something that you can apply in a more corporate setting. So how did you even begin to go through the process of choosing that niche 
and jump in out of the teacher realm because yeah. a lot of teachers like to stay teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, let's be clear, I didn't. Uh, I wish I'd leapt straight to where I am today. I had to make a couple other leaps in between. So once I finally decided I uh, the teaching life uh, was fun, but it wasn't the one for me, uh, I looked to get into the business world. So that's what I call the corporate world. And uh, what I discovered, uh, I knocked on doors and I said, hey, I'm an t- ex-teacher. I could, I'd be great in your company. Let me have this role. Let me have that role. And all of them just slammed the door in my face. Or one or two of them politely said, what the hell? Right? You're a teacher. Stick to being a teacher. You have no transferable skills. And, I, and it really sort of irritated me. I was like, hang on a minute. I've got loads of skills. You just you just don't appreciate them. So, um, so I realized I had to start again. So there I was. Uh, spent several years teaching and I started at the bottom again in a company on a graduate scheme. Uh, so I joined by people much younger than me, but I took a chance and joined an energy company, funnily enough. And in this energy company, I worked my way around the business and showed that I had some great skills and ended up in their strategy team. So I was working on all their biggest challenges. And that's where I grew to love the world of strategy and solving complex problems. So imagine I learned all about strategy and then I moved into strategy consulting. So I moved from that energy company to doing strategy for lots of different companies around the world on different things. Now, strategy in a, in a consulting sense usually means I will solve a complex problem for you. So should you do A or B? I'll work out all the reasons. I'll do all the research analytics and give you an answer. So that's what I did for 12 years. And what I discovered in that 12 years is 90% of the work that I did, maybe 95 Apps, they did diddly squat with it, right? Absolutely nothing. It was just a chunky report that sat on a shelf and nobody even did, you know, sometimes they didn't even read it, right? But um, what they did do is they nodded politely, but uh, the reason they didn't do anything with it was because sometimes they didn't understand it, but they were too scared to say, look, I don't understand it, All right? Very similar to those kids with, this, with the algebra. They would be like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. Or they were too busy, right? So this wasn't a priority. Or they would like person A hated person B. And so the two of them could never agree on doing this strategy. And once I realized that, that's where I said, hang on, these are big EQ problems. These, this is the emotional intelligence part. It's not enough to have the ideas, the IQ. You need to be able to take everyone with you on that journey and say, hey, we all love this idea, right? Let's all buy into it, right? And then you've got the FQ. Even if we all love it, we have to actually deliver it. We've got to focus on this. That's where I realized the missing components with the EQ and the FQ, and I put together my equation, which is you need all three. That's brilliant. That's actually really smart. It's always interesting when you get in a room and you hear that, oh, I hired so-and-so to help us with the strategy. And then you ask, okay, well, where's the work? What's happening? And it's like nothing. It's like, well, you know, they didn't quite land the way that we expected. And it's like, well, you could have had another type of conversation and just kind of kind of figured that out before they left. But, you know, I'm glad that that was one of the, the turning point in the conversation for you or your, your career path to take you there. With that being said, so you go in, the company goes through the strategy, you probably helped them at some point, but now you at, you're at the stage where you're not recognizing that you need them to actually implement, but they can't implement because they haven't really made the connection in order to engage the team enough to focus on the thing that needs to get done to make the transformation. Yeah. So 
So how do you go in and actually help them do that? Well, it depends what's holding them back, right? Is it is it because people disagree with it, but they don't want to say they disagree with it, right? Hmm. That it's just the boss's idea, right? Oh, and they all go, yeah, 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 we love the strategy. They're all shaking their heads in the background, right? So like I'm, I'm, I'm working uh, with a, uh, a, a startup firm, right? And this firm was, it is made by a very dynamic leader, a guy who invented a great product. But the firm's now has like 60 employees and they don't all agree on the leader's ideas, okay? But the leader, he's not a communicator. He's a builder. He builds stuff. He likes building products. So, you know, he thinks every product I build, everyone in my team will love it. But actually, the, his board realized that they don't love it. So they brought me in and said, look, A, he doesn't realize. B, it's stopping things because, you know, his right-hand man thinks they should do different something different. So he goes off and he nods his head and then he goes and does something different. The head of HR goes and does the, her own thing and this. So what I do is in that situation, I create an environment where they can talk honestly as a team, right? Mm-hmm. So I build a level of trust through doing a range of things that says, look, it's okay to say your opinion. Nobody is here to bite your head off. And it's, in that case, it was the first time the leader heard all these things, right? So then I support him because that's a big blow to him. He thinks that he's got everyone uh, on the same page as him. And then he hears that his team all disagree with him, right? So, so that's, but, you know, with a bit of coaching, a bit of support, we can then get an environment where everyone shares. And I'm not saying he will necessarily change his opinion drastically and say, well, do your idea. But by having that conversation, they all agree. And I, and I won't let them, you know, I, we won't sign off the strategy till everyone puts their, their hand behind it and says, this is what I believe we should do. Let's go and do it. That's awesome. Because I think that's a part of the, is that part of the EQ portion, the awareness? Yeah, it's, it's being aware. And it's easy for me being an ex- external to see these dynamics because that's what I'm paid to look out for and, and then help change. But if you're in it 24 seven, and for some reason, it's easy to miss, right? It's uh, there's an old saying that uh, uh, jam can't read its own label, right? Uh, <laughs> so sometimes it's hard to read your label, and you need someone to come along and read it for you. I like that. The jam cannot read their own labels. Yeah, or because this is for the states, peanut peanut butter can't read its own label. <laughs> we have jam. Oh, you got jam. You? you call it jelly. But, uh, you know, it's. Uh... <laughs> So you've been doing this now for 20 years. So how do you now take this and taking your analogy about not being able to see what's in front of you, because obviously you're not holding the mirror up to yourself. How do you apply that in your own business? That's a great question. So I I actually only started my business two and a half years ago. And how I apply it uh, is threefold. First of all, I try and create opportunities for me to reflect. So every week I reflect on the week that's just gone by. Mm-hmm. I was raised, when I say raised in, in a professional sense, I was taught very early on in my career, I was very lucky to have a have a boss who liked live feedback, right? So when you come out of any key meeting, uh, key working session, he would turn around and say, right, what's the one thing we liked about that session? What's one thing we could do better next time, right? And even, even more than that, before we went into a meeting, he'd set a gold, silver, and bronze, you know, achievement for us to get in that session. So I've always been used to setting that, and I do that on a weekly basis. Like, you know, me and my team, we talk about how did that week go? What's the one thing we could do better? So you self-reflection. Secondly, I get feedback from my clients, okay? Um, I, I listen to them. I actively go seek it. 
and but you know they also leak feedback it's what i paid to absorb so i realized pretty quickly when things aren't working and i need to change it up and the third one is i look for specific support network to challenge me and ask me the right questions that could be a coach at times i've had a business coach other times i've just got a good friend who says his role in my life is to bring me down a few pegs and i <laughs> and i think everyone should have a friend like that uh, who can tell you what you know how it is and, and keep it real <laughs> I don't know if I want one of those friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm one of those friends. Okay. <laughs> <Which is good. laughs> I think I am. Then on behalf of the friends that you do that for, let me thank you. They might not thank you uh, often enough for it. but uh, I think I need to ask for more coffees. I think that's you need to ask for more coffees. You need to, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a great story. My company uh, is called Sheer Ghetto Consulting. Now, you might ask me, uh, Shiona, what is, wh- why is that name, right? Wh- what is Shiagero? Where's it come from? It's, it, and uh, it's a Japanese mm-hmm. word, uh, okay? But I have no connections to Japan. Uh, the reason I came up with the name was I came up with some English names for my company, uh, and all of them are gone. You know, go, go down the internet. There's a lot of people who've snapped up website addresses. So I actually decided to switch languages, and I, I'm fortunate enough to speak a couple of languages, and Arabic is, is the language that I was raised on. So I picked some Arabic names. Now, the, the reason I'm telling the story is my friend, when I tested those Arabic names on him, because he has this role, he just turned to me in in the pub and he said, I like it, but it just sounds terroristy. I wouldn't buy any work from it, right? Now, that's the honest kind of feedback you want from a friend. Uh, you don't need a focus group. You don't need a... Pe- and I said, right, I'm not going to name it that then. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I went on looking to the next language and uh, I actually stumbled across a really great Japanese word. Uh, that's so what I'm, does it mean? And now I'm curious. <laughs> okay, so the sheer ghetto. Are you a cook? Are you a chef? I like to eat. You like to eat. Okay, well, somebody has to cook the stuff that you eat. Uh, and if they're cooking, they might use some knives, some kitchen knives, some sharp ones. Now, anytime a knife goes dull, you have to sharpen it. Mm. Now, if you're like me, uh, you might have a sharpening stone in your kitchen. Now, I have a sharpening stone and it's, I have a set of Japanese knives. And one day, just as I was setting up my company, I was using this sharpening stone. And I went, hang on a minute. This is a perfect metaphor for my business. What is the Japanese word for a sharpening stone? And can you guess what the Japanese word for a sharpening stone is? Of course it is. It's the country. It's sheer ghetto. <laughs> that is an awesome story. Okay, so someone who's a little bit rusty, maybe a little needs to be kind of, oh, I like it. I like it. Really good name. Really, really good name. So now my other question is, what is the difference between strategic success and failure? Because that's a huge, I I think there's like some disparity. So I want to kind of understand what does that, what does that mean in your world? Well, it it means, do you know what? You can only be strategically successful if you have set yourself some goals. Mm -hmm. Okay. Unless you know where you're heading, you'll never know if you got there. Uh, so it all starts with being clear. Do I have a vision? Do I have some a strategy together? Do I have some goals, specific goals I need, want to achieve? Now, that when I say do, do I, that could be my company. That could be you personally, right? But if you don't have those, then it's hard to say whether you're successful or not. You can say I did all these things and you're like, great. But is that actually where, where you wanted to end up? So, so yeah. You need you need to define some stuff. Otherwise, it, but it's okay to have a goal saying, do you know what? I'm just going to have fun in life, right? That is my goal. Instead of I'm going to climb Everest, I'm just going to do fun stuff, 
right? So that's what I told you against you and say, is, is everything you're doing contributing to having enough fun? Or, you know, it doesn't matter what the goal is. That's how you measure it. I like that. Okay, so what are the misconceptions around strategy then? So we know that setting the goals are kind of the, the big to-dos that you really need to keep yourself aligned. And without having those measurements or those little rails to kind of keep you on track, it could leave you, lead you to obviously not hidden goals because you, you're not really hidden what you haven't set, right? So what are some of the misconceptions around strategy and leadership? And how does that tie in? I think some of the, in my experience, some of the big misconceptions are that it has to be hard, mm-hmm. right? Actually, the easier, the better, right? It, <laughs> you don't need to make it super complex, hire a PhD scientist to work it out. Just set simple goals, right, that you honestly want to achieve. And that's the hard bit, being honest with yourself. And then the other misconception is measure, right? Reflect what I talked about earlier. It's easy to set a goal and then never look at it again or just assume you're getting closer towards it because you're doing a lot of activity. A lot of people measure their success on how busy was I this week, Mm. right? You know, I often talk about, I was in a company once and they were, they were, all the salesmen were always very busy. You know, they're always talking about, I booked this many meetings this week. I've done this many conversations. And there was this one guy who was very quiet, but he was the top salesman. And I, I was like, I got to get to know that guy. And he just looked and I said, how do you do it? He said, I just make one phone call, you know, a week, but I make sure it's a very important phone call, right? So all these guys, great. They, they can win $100 a sale each phone call. I'm just going to make one phone call that will make me a million dollars. And that's, and he's, He's being smart. He's not measuring on on activity. He's measuring, he knows his goal. And he's like, right, let's take the biggest action that will get me towards my goal. Cool. So if I was to translate that for, for a business owner who, a small business owner or someone who's like out there, like doing a lot of busy work, the key to all of that is looking at what is the... I guess, for lack of better terms, the domino that's going to topple, topple everything else and yeah. get the results. Yeah, the, I use phrases like, what's the thing that's going to move your dial most, mm-hmm. right? What If you could only do one activity today, which one honestly will get you a step closer to where you want to get to? Right? And, and it's got to be directly. Right. A lot of people will say, oh, well, I'm doing this activity because this will lead to this, which will then lead to me getting back. I'm like, eh, right? Uh, right. Unless that is what thing will take you there quicker this week, mm-hmm. right? But you don't need a precursor or a predeterminant because do that first. Okay. So now that you are like doing your own thing and it's been two and a half years in, how would you, you know, that when you jump into it, there's so many things for you to look at, so many things for you to do. Like you're, yeah. If you were once like narrow focus on this is my functional role, now you no longer have those functional roles. You pretty much own all the roles until you replace yourself. So, yeah. so how would you, because if you then look at each functional role, you could essentially say, well, everything is important. <laughs> yes, everything is important. And, and I'm not saying I only have one. Uh, that's why you have a range of goals. But if I'm, you know, when I'm decidedly honest with myself and when I talk to my coach, 
I'm at a stage of the business, uh, I'm like at stage two. So stage one was work out what I'm doing, what I'm offering. Mm -hmm. Okay. Get comfortable with talking about, but stage two is even though all the, all the other things are nice, it is about getting more customers, more work Mm -hmm. in. That has got to be my priority. All right. To get this company solid, right. I need to get more stuff in now. Just a close second is actually then fulfilling all that work. Okay. Those have become my top two priorities. Anything else is nice to have. So they don't get my, you know, things like doing a bit of extra marketing, uh, sorting out the IT system, unless until they reach a point where they are on fire or holding me back from those first two goals, do I fix them? And that came to life for me last week when my IT system fell apart, my email system fell apart. And that was actually stopping me, A, completing my current work with clients because I couldn't contact them. You know, I was reverting to WhatsApp, but that's not a great way. And B, it was stopping me securing new clients or, you know, following up conversations. So I was like, okay, now this becomes the number one priority this week, right? This is the biggest thing that will move me closer. And once that's fixed, I go back to the first two until something else catches fire. I like that. So it's refocus and narrow focus to like get to the end state. So, and this is good because going back to your, your equation, the IQ, you know, what needs to be done. You have the awareness to kind of pull it all together or know what, where to, to then put focus your efforts and then the FQ to get it done. Yeah. Okay. So cool. So what have been your biggest success so far? So now two and a half years into it, like, what are you proud of with your client? Any client stories? Out loads, but I celebrate every win. And it's amazing. You know, I worked in big, uh, much bigger firms where I was regularly winning million pound contracts. But I celebrate now the $10,000 contracts much more than I did the $1 million when I was in a big company because this is more personal. This means me. So I got loads of those stories, but do you know what? I, you know, the greatest thing is, is to still be here because I set up just before COVID and that first year was a real roller coaster. It, uh, it effectively wiped out my business and I had to start again. And it would have been very easy to just give it up at that point because I was like, you know what? I gave it a go. The market's not right. It's, you know, maybe I'll try again in five years or something, but I'm so glad that I didn't, you know, and there were, there were tough days and, you know, uh, I'm glad that I stayed through that and the business is here today and growing and it brings me so much enjoyment, me and my team. Okay. So who are your ideal clients like, uh, how, and how do you work with them? Uh, my ideal clients are, um, people who want to want the help. First of all, you know, they've got to have a self-awareness to say, look, help us, uh, which isn't, isn't very common. I'll be honest with you, right? Senior people don't get to being senior by saying I'm actually rubbish at, at at uh, getting people uh, to join me on the journey. They usually say I'm great at everything. Um, but so that's the main thing that, you know, people who want to want help. But, you know, aside from that, uh, I have clients in different industries, in different, you know, big companies, small companies, uh, different parts of the world. So I, I personally love the variety because I get such a richness that I learn from each of them that I then can take into the other clients. So I treat Amazon, who is a client, just the same as a small startup who's got two employees because they can both teach me something that I can use in the other company. So it also means literally anyone can ring me and we can find a way to work together. Sounds good. So I know you mentioned uh, a few things like in the earlier conversation about how to 
apply the strategy, you know, having that self-awareness, but what are three things that you can offer up as tips or strategies for, for people who are kind of trying to figure out how to apply their strategy in their business? Maybe they're not as self-aware and yeah. they are ready to kind of grow their business, but maybe don't have that awareness to know that maybe I'm the block. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, then I think there's several things is, which is building on what I've said is, is first of all, be really clear in your head. What is the major thing you're striving for? What's the, what's the immediate problem that you're trying to solve? Okay. I often quote Albert Einstein who said, look, if I only had an hour to save the world, I'd spend 59 minutes working out what the problem is because then it's easy. Right. So be really clear. And actually I need to achieve this. Number two be really honest how close you are to achieving it and, uh, and stuff. Get some help. Even if you trust your own self-awareness, get someone else's opinion, right? Surround yourself with wise village elders, I call it, who will offer you, like my friend, challenge in a right way to make you go, all right, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe. Right? And then my third thing is don't be afraid to test and learn. Everything I do is test and learn. I don't claim to know all the answers and I wouldn't I, I don't think any of my clients do you know the thing about strategies is you should be, you should be willing to switch strategies so you don't change your, your goal you switch how you're going to get there right so if my goal was I'm going to be the best version of of uh, of Faris or you know then strategy number one might be I'm going to learn a new language and then that doesn't work then strategy two is okay I'm going to work out more right uh, and then so the strategy always changes or, or you know or because i've achieved the first one or the first one didn't work so it's that test and learn right and we often forget it, it it's okay to do that right so those would be my sort of three areas to focus on awesome so what's next for you well uh, take over this podcast uh, rule the world uh, no <laughs> take over the world um, <laughs> The world. I gave the world warning. If they weren't listening to this podcast, Shona, I don't know what's happening. Uh, what's next is I set up this business to continue my own learning, my own levels of fun. So next, what next is, is just to continue that, right? Uh, I find fun for me is very important uh, and it's the one metric I measure in my business. Uh, and the more fun I have, the more clients I seem to end up with, the more revenues come in. And it's the same for the team. So just continue to have fun, uh, try new things, continue to grow and you know i will reach a the next stage of the business of my journey uh, through that i'm i'm 100 percent certain awesome. so where can people find you well uh if they can come over to london i will gladly host them but if not they can find me on the world wide web i believe it's called w uh, at sheerghetto.com okay and sheerghetto for those non-japanese speakers is s-h-i-a-g-e-t-o but if I know Shauna, she'll put all the links in the uh, in the podcast. Or uh, just look me up on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Faris Aranki, uh, and uh, I'd love to carry on the conversation there. Awesome. So with that, I'm gonna we're gonna end the podcast. Faris, it was such a pleasure to have you here. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good information. Um, when it comes down to strategy, one of the key takeaways for me with this was it's it's not about changing the goal to get to where you need to go, but it's about kind of altering the the approach or the strategy to get there. And having that understanding 
of yourself, so the self-awareness, on top of the IQ to then get the work done and get to the end state. So I love that. Thank you. And that's a beautiful summary, Shona. You're doing me out of a job. <laughs> I'll leave some for you. I'll leave some for you. When you take over the world, we'll just share it. <laughs> All right. So with that, thanks again for being a part of the podcast and really glad that you made the time to come on and share all this goodness with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Scale to Grow podcast. If you would like to know more about how we can help you to take the guesswork out of your business, visit us at www.concaveservices.com. 